So we're at uh, 2 Timothy 3, verse 1, which says, This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. We know that Christians in every generation have believed that they were living in the last days. Um, we know that our generation is, uh, we're closer to the last days. Um, even if Jesus didn't return in our lifetime, we're still closer to, the, to his return than any other generation that's ever been on the earth. So um, we could be in the last of the last days. Uh, and, and this scripture says that perilous times shall come. And, and if the Lord says it's going to happen, it's going to happen. We can't just rebuke it and say, no, I, I believe the world's going to get safer. We can't just confess the, word, the world's going to get safer. Now, we can confess that we're going to be protected in this dangerous world, but we can't just um, say that the world's going to get safer because the Word of God says it, it's not going to get safer. It's going to become more dangerous. Uh, and an, another uh, word for perilous would be difficult, um, uncontrollable, unpredictable, um, distressing, violent. We're, we're, we're definitely seeing that take place in the world around us. Uh, we're not going to be able to eradicate danger from the world. As long as we're here and the devil's here, we're going to be exposed to danger at some time or another. And the reason these things are happening is because of uh, sin and wicked people under the influence of the devil. And because of that, the world is not going to get safer. But the good news is, for us, God's people, who are in covenant with him, we can be protected in the midst of dangerous uh, situations. Uh, so we need to have an awareness and a confidence that when we leave home, we're going to be protected and are going out and are coming in. Now we know that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So, um, you know, faith to be born again comes by hearing scripture that tells us that, that Jesus has uh, taken our sins on the cross and that he, he has forgiven us. He's cast our sins away from us as far as the east is from the west. That if we confess with our mouth Jesus is Lord and we believe in our heart uh, that he's Lord and we confess with our mouth that he's been raised from the dead, um, then we will be saved. So faith, faith comes... Um, for healing, by hearing scriptures on healing. Faith for, uh, you know, material provision and, and the, the area of finances. That comes by hearing scriptures about what the Bible says about blessings and provision from God. Uh, so the same principle is true um, in the area of divine protection. Faith for divine protection comes by hearing scriptures that promise us God's divine protection. And when it, when it comes to divine protection, God has a part to play, and we have a part to play. Uh, you know, we've, we've all had things happen to us that shouldn't, shouldn't have happened. 
but uh, you know, uh, a lot of that, a, a lot of this, much of divine protection, uh, an important part of walking in divine protection also has to do with being led by the Holy Spirit. And uh, many Christians have not been taught that. And uh, um, that's, that's a big problem uh, in the area of divine protection. Uh, being led by the Holy Spirit is, is vital in making decisions in life, knowing what to do, what not to do, and so forth. Um, but it's also a major part in our divine protection and, and, ha and enables God to, uh, to be able to protect us is, is our knowing how to be led by the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit, uh, you know, he can warn us about dangerous situations ahead and so forth. Uh, he's always communicating with believers uh, to keep us in safety and to steer us away from dangerous situations. So we're in Psalm 91, uh, and you know, it's a great comfort to know that even in the midst of, of a crime-filled, terror-filled world, uh, that we can still be safe and protected. Uh, verse 1 of Psalm 91, the expanded Bible says, Those who go to God most high for safety will be protected by the Almighty. So that's God's part. Is God's part is to protect us. He has, he has the, the power. He has the ability. He's the most high. Now verse 2 is our part. Verse 2, Psalm 91 says, I will say of the Lord. I will say of the Lord. That's our part. Our part is saying of the Lord. You are my defender. You are my protector. You're my refuge. You're my high tower. You're my rock. You're my shield. You're my defender. You're my God. In him I trust. That's our part. We're to say that God defends me. God protects me. He, he's my God. And, um, you know, many Christians who love God might say, well, uh, I wouldn't want to just be presumptuous. It might not be God's will to protect me. Uh, I don't think that's as common as going to the other extreme. Uh, where people just assume, they just assume that God will protect them no matter what they say, no matter what they believe, no matter where they go, and no matter what they do. Um, and that's part of this, um, you know, sovereignty of God doctrine that's quite, quite popular is that, uh, uh, you know, no matter, regardless uh of what we do, um, God will protect us. And they, they believe it's all up to God, you know, uh, and they believe that about most things in life, that everything that pertains to them is just up to God, whether they have it or they don't have it. And they don't realize that there's a God side, uh, 
to being protected. There's a God side to faith. There's a God side to healing and provision. But there's also a human side. We're, we're, this is a covenant between us and God. This is not just a one-sided covenant where it's all up to God and we, we have nothing uh, to say about it. We have a lot to say about it. Depends on what we believe. It depends on uh, how we speak. It depends on how we act. So, um, you know, we can all look back on our life at times when we were in a dangerous situation and we didn't even realize it. But the mercy of God spared us or the devil would have taken us out. We can all look back at times like that. Uh, so it's not just enough to believe or assume that God will protect us. Um, we have to say it. We have to, to, to say that he will. And really this entire psalm is a confession of faith. This is a faith declaration that God will protect me. God will defend me. God will deliver me. And even if, if bad things happen to other people, it won't happen to me. That's what God says. That's what the Word says. We're not just making this up. We're not being presumptuous. This is what the Word says. When we're tempted to fear, or when we hear bad news, uh, we are to say, God is my protector. He protects me. He protects my family. He protects my kids. So God is my God. In Him I trust. So when we say we're trusting God, uh, what are we trusting Him for? What, it is, what is it that we're trusting Him about? Well, in this particular situation, we're trusting that, that He will do what He says and He will do what we are saying. We're trusting that He will protect us. Verse 3, he will keep you safe from all hidden dangers and from all deadly diseases. This says he will keep you from all hidden dangers and all deadly diseases. Does that mean all but COVID? Does that mean, uh, you know, uh, all but heart disease? You know. What is all? All means all. He will protect us. He will keep us safe from all hidden dangers and all deadly diseases. Verse 4 to 7. He will cover you with his wings and you will be safe in his care. His faithfulness will protect and defend you. You need not fear any dangers at night or sudden attacks during the day or the plagues that strike in the dark, or the evils that kill in daylight. A thousand may fall dead beside you, ten thousand all around you, but you will not be harmed. This is a good news translation. I like that. Um, now, this is, this is a, these are bold declarations, and this is vastly different from uh, the doctrines of men that say, well, you never know what God will do. You know, it's just all up to Him. That's religious tradition and, and just religious garbage. Uh, God has given us His Word to believe and to speak. 
in these perilous times. Verse 8 and 9. We're still Psalm 91. You will look and see how the wicked are punished. You have made the Lord your defender, the Most High your protector. We have to make the Lord our defender. We have to make him our protector. We have to make him our, our Lord, our healer. We have to make him our provider. And when we do, what can we expect? Verse 10 says, And so no disaster will strike you. No violence will come near your home. Amen. Hallelujah. This is the word of God. What a promise. What a promise. Uh, can we depend on this? Yes, we can. But, but we have to be saying what God says. We have to believe it. We have to speak it. We have to declare it. But sadly, many Christians do not believe that you can depend on God's word. And this is a major problem. And one of the reasons they don't is because they believe their own experiences more than they believe God's word. Uh, this says, no disaster will strike you. No violence will come near your home. Who does this work for? Does this, does this apply to everybody in the whole world? It applies to the one who says, God, you are my God. You are my defender. You are my protector. And you I will trust. Verse 11 and 12. God will put his angels in charge of you to protect you wherever you go. They will hold you up with their hands to keep you from hurting your feet on the stones. Amen. Uh, you know, I've heard a number of testimonies from people who said they were driving down the road uh, and they came uh, maybe to an intersection or a junction uh, and they proceeded to go through on a green light and all of a sudden a car comes flying out of somewhere uh, at the intersection and it looked like, you know, they were going to crash into them no way they could physically avoid it. And they just cried out, Jesus! And and the instant they said that, they were suddenly on the other side of that car. And, and that car passed them without hitting them. How did that happen? Some angels moved their car out of the way. That's what happened. Because in the natural, there was no way that collision was going to be avoided. But when they cried out to Jesus, their, their angels were there to move that car out of the way so that there was no collision. I've heard of a number of testimonies like that. Uh, verse 13 and 14. You will trample down lions and snakes, fierce lions and poisonous snakes. God says, I will save those who love me and will protect those who acknowledge me as Lord. So this tells us that this 
divine protection that this is talking about and this promise in the word this tells us that this is not a blanket promise to every person in the whole world. This does not apply to every person in the whole world. Uh, we're seeing a recurring theme here that says uh, that those who acknowledge God and those who acknowledge Him by saying, He's my God, He's my protector, these are the these are the ones that, uh, that can expect this divine protection. It's not just automatic, and it does not apply to every person in the whole world. Uh, and this, this answers a lot of questions, you know, about you, you always hear people kind of make the dumb statement, you know, well, why did God let, God let this happen? There's, there's a lot of reasons why this happened, and God had nothing to do with it. Uh, you know, uh, confused people just think that, that God's, you know, just going around the world uh, swatting the flies away from everyone, you know, and that's, that's not the case. We're seeing that there's criteria here, uh, that this divine protection is conditional. That's what I'm trying to say. It's conditional. Verse 15 and 16, when they call to me, I will answer them. When they are in trouble, I will be with them. I will rescue them and honor them. I will reward them with long life. I will save them. Now, um, we're going to turn to Deuteronomy chapter 32. Um, In Deuteronomy 32, we'll, we're going to start here in verse 9. Uh, we know that God is a just God, and just because God allows something does not mean that He caused it, and it does not mean it was His will for it to happen. Now, this this answers a lot of a lot of these questions that you hear, a lot of these ignorant statements that you hear people make from time to time, especially people that don't know God. Uh, you know, God allows people to sin, but it's not His will for people to sin. People also have a will. God has a will, and we have a will. And God will not just override somebody else's will, even though you know, uh, they may be doing something that's harmful or, you know, he'll do everything he can to try to steer them away and protect, protect them. But uh, we also have a will. And we have to give God a legal right to protect us. Deuteronomy 32, verse 9 to 14 in the New Living Translation says, for the people of Israel belong to the Lord. Jacob is his special possession. He found them in a desert land, in an empty howling wasteland. He surrounded them and watched over them. He guarded them as he would guard his own eyes. Like an eagle that rouses her chicks and hovers over her young. So he spread his wings to take them up 
and carried them safely on his pinions. The Lord alone guided them. They followed no foreign gods. Now that's, you need to underline that. That's a, a very important phrase in this passage. The Lord alone guided them. They followed no foreign gods. He let them ride over the highlands and feast on the crops of the fields. He nourished them with honey from the rock and olive oil from the stony ground. He fed them with yogurt from the herd and milk from the flock. So this is talking about God's divine provision and, and God's divine blessing on, on the Israelites here. Uh, he fed them yogurt from the herd and milk from the flock together with the fat of lambs. He gave them choice rams from Bashan and goats together with the choicest wheat. You drank the finest wine made from the juice of grapes. So uh, this describes God's blessing and provision and protection on his people as long as they acknowledged him as the only true God and did not serve other gods. So th this is a condition. This is a condition for, for, this is one of the conditions for receiving divine protection. Verse 15 and 16, but, now it's going to change, but Israel soon became fat and unruly. The people grew heavy, plump, and stuffed. Then they abandoned the God who made them. Now things are going to start going downhill for them. Then they abandoned the God who had made them. They made light of the rock of their salvation. They stirred up his jealousy by worshiping foreign gods. They provoked his fury with detestable deeds. So, now they have turned away from God. They're not acknowledging God as their, their, their only God anymore. They're not acknowledging God as their, their only source of supply, their only source of provision, their only source of blessing. They're not worshiping God. Now they have turned away to other foreign gods. Does this sound familiar in the nations of the Western world today? Yes, this passage could, it, it could be, uh, you know, you could be reading this from out of a newspaper today. Same, same plight, same description in, in most newspapers today. Verse 28, 29, but Israel is a senseless nation. The people are foolish without understanding. Oh, that they were wise and could understand this. Oh, that they might know their fate. In other words, oh, that they would understand their final outcome. 
Nations that forsake God, what is their final outcome going to be? Where, where is it going to end up for nations that forsake God? For example, prayer taken out of schools, Ten Commandments taken out of courtrooms, nativity scenes removed from the town square, Preachers that preach Jesus is the only way to be saved. Political parties formally and officially removing any mention of God from their political platforms. Abortion on demand. Legalizing same-sex marriage. This is just a few of the uh, current trends in this generation, in this society that make up this perilous, dangerous time that we're living in. This is leading to a godless society, removing God from all forms of public life and even what you can do in your own home. Does this have anything to do with your protection or the lack of it? Absolutely. This has everything to do with the protection of individuals and protection um, of nations, of God's ability to be able to protect them. And it's not uh, just completely a matter of God removing his hand from the nation uh, it's, it's also the nation moving away from God. The nation has moved away from God. The nations of the Western world uh, have, have moved away and pushed God away uh, and made themselves God or made the government God. And this limits God's ability to protect individuals and entire nations. In verse 30 of Deuteronomy 32, the voice translation says, how could one of their enemies pursue a thousand of them? And two of their enemies make 10,000 of them run away. How could that happen? How could one person run off an entire army? Unless their rock had abandoned them, unless the eternal had handed them over. So how could a, a superior army, a superpower, get defeated by a much smaller, weaker enemy? How could that happen? This tells us the rock abandoned them and the eternal handed them over. How was it, you know, in the American War of Independence, how, how was it that the entire British Army, which was like the greatest in the world at that time, how was it that the British Army was defeated by a ragtag bunch of volunteer preachers and store owners 
and the war of, of American independence. How could it happen? Because the Eternal handed them over to those preachers and store owners. Those preachers and store owners who acknowledged God as their rock and their defender and their Lord and their protector. That's how it happened. Those preachers and store owners had a solid foundation that God was their rock, that God was their protector, that God had ordained for them to, to be there and that God had ordained for that nation to be established where people could come and worship God freely and openly. Verse 37 in the New Living Translation. Then he will ask, where are their gods? The rocks they fled to for refuge. So God's saying, you abandoned me, now you're in trouble. Where, where are your new gods? Why don't you go ask your new gods for help? Why don't you go to your foreign gods and ask them for help? Why aren't they helping you? Get the United Nations to help you. Get the World Health Organization to help you. Get, get them to fix it. You know, every time there's a, a shooting in a school or a terrorist attack, the first thing you will hear people say is, why did God let this happen? That is not the right question. That is not the right question. If, if you kick God, if, if an individual kicks God out of their life or if an entire nation kicks God out of, of the nation, can they expect to keep God's protection? No. No. The government, you know, if the government is substituted for God, the NHS is substituted for God, the welfare system is substituted for God, you know, uh, Ten Commandments banned in school, um, you know, God, God can't be mentioned in school. Jesus can't be mentioned. You know, no prayer to God or Jesus. Um, and then, a, then, you know, this is a school system set up. And then somebody comes into school and goes on a shooting spree. Are people really surprised? You know? Psalm 91 verse 2. I will say of the Lord, he is my defender. He's my protector. I will trust in him. So we're not looking to science. We're not looking to government bureaucrats to protect us in perilous times. And if, if people do, if people are putting their trust and their confidence in the government or science to, to protect them, their faith is in the wrong place. Their faith is in the wrong place. They're, they're making science their God and protector. They're making government bureaucrats their God and protector. That is misplaced faith. Um, all, all these, all science knows to do, all the government knows to do is just to throw money at something. And there's not enough money in the world 
you know, to stop poverty or hunger or terrorism. Individuals and nations must make God their God and turn from other gods if they're going to expect the divine protection of God. And you'll often hear somebody say, well, we're all God's children. No, that's not true. Everyone in the whole world is not a child of God. They must make God their God. They must make Jesus their Lord and Savior. And if they have not, and if they refuse to, then God is not responsible for their protection. You know, if you're a parent or a grandparent, you're not responsible for what happens to every child in the country. You're responsible for your children. You're responsible for protecting your children and your grandchildren. You're not being held responsible for protecting every child in the country. Um, and the same is true with God. You know, um, if you don't have a covenant with God through the blood of Jesus, then you're not a child of God and he's not responsible to, for protecting you and he doesn't really have a legal right to protect you. Uh, you know, if, if you get your car bent up, you know, somebody runs into you and bends up your car, and if you don't have an insurance policy, you cannot just phone up an insurance company and expect them to fix your car. You know, they're, they're going to say, well, do you have a policy with us? And if you don't, then they don't know you and they are not responsible for fixing your car. And, and, and in the business world, this is called a policy or a contract. In the Bible, it's called a covenant. And it works the same way with God. If people do not have a covenant with God, they can't just expect God to, to protect them, to keep them out of danger, to, to come in and fix something. Um, for them, if they don't have a covenant with God, it, it works the same way. There are millions of people on the planet that Jesus is not their Lord, and they have no interest in him being their Lord. But when something bad happens, they're shaking their fist at God, they're blaming him or expecting him to fix it. And God set it up that if people are not submitted to him and if they don't believe in him, that he doesn't have a legal right to help and protect them. There are thousands of Christians that believe in God, but they're not submitted to anybody or anything. They don't want anybody telling them anything. You know, it's just them and Jesus. Now, let's look, let's look at Judges 10, verse 6. Judges 10, verse 6. And the children of Israel did evil again in the sight of the Lord. So, you know, all throughout the Old Testament, we see this back and forth, back and forth. 
you know, is a, a good king will come in and 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 uh, they turn people back toward God and and th the nation's prospering and individuals are prospering and they're experiencing blessing and provision and protection and so forth. And then a, then a bad king would come in and he would turn them away from God and they start serving foreign gods and and they uh, you know worshiping false gods and and offering their children up as sacrifices to these false gods and so forth and then everything starts going downhill they're they're defeated by their enemies they're taken captive by their enemies uh, the nation uh, is no longer prospering you know the economy's going down uh, the whole nation, crime begins to increase and so forth. So we see this happen over and over. It's like a cycle throughout the Old Testament. And, and he, this is an example here in Judges chapter 10. The children of Israel did evil again in the sight of the Lord and served Balaam and Ashtaroth and the gods of Syria and the gods of Zidon and the gods of Moab and the gods of the children of Ammon and the gods of the Philistines and forsook the Lord and served him not. So this is another one of those times they turned away from Jehovah, the true and living God, and they began to worship and serve these other false gods. <clears throat> did God just understand, you know, did, did God just say, well, I understand, you know, these people are weak, and they're just ignorant, but I'll protect them anyway. Is that, is that the way it works? No. It made God angry. It made God angry that they had turned away from him. And it says, he sold them into the hands of the Philistines and to the hands of the children of Ammon. So, God removed his hand of protection and you could also say it, it wasn't just a matter of God moving his hand of protection, it was the people, the people moved away from God. The people moved out from under that protective hand of God upon them. And when they moved away from God, they, they, opened up the door for the devil to come in. They opened up the door. They moved over into Satan's territory. When they moved away from God, it was like stepping out from under an umbrella of protection. And when they, um, when they turned from God and started serving other gods, God then no longer had a legal right to protect them because they had a free will. They had a, a will to serve God or to serve some other gods. And they, they, of their own will, turned away from God. And um, so he had no legal right to protect them. You remember Deuteronomy 28 where, uh, you know, the first... Uh, 14 verses there talks about the blessings 
of God. You know, the Deuteronomy 28, it talks about the blessings and the curses. And in the verse 1 to 14, it says, if you keep my word. Now that little word, if, is a very, very big word. That's a very important word in that chapter. And it's a very important word all throughout the Bible. If you keep my word, all these blessings will come on you. If you don't, all these curses will come on you. So in other words, the blessings and protection and provision of God is conditional. When, when uh, you know, if people don't uh, acknowledge God, and if they, if they turn away from him, it opens a door and then it, now they've given the devil a legal right to come in with the curse. By turning away from God, people now have given the devil the legal right to come in and kill, steal, and destroy. You remember in Matthew 23, 37, Jesus said, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, thou that killest the prophets and stonest them, which are sent unto thee, how often would I have gathered thy children together, even as a hen gathereth her chickens under her wings, and ye would not. Did that generation of people, did, did their rejection of Jesus put limitations on what he could do for them. Yes. When people reject God, it puts limitations on what he can do for them. And one of those things is, is protecting them. What's the beginning of experiencing God's protection? Verse Psalm 91, 2. I will say of the Lord, he's my refuge, he's my defender, He's my protector. In Him I will trust. And without God's protection, this is a dangerous place and a dangerous time to be living in. Hallelujah. You know, all this push to eradicate God from society, government, school, business, it can only lead to one place. And that is our enemies having power over us. And I can guarantee you there are certain countries in the world right now that are watching all of this. They're watching the entire Western world right now and they're licking their chops and they're seeing how the Western world is becoming weaker and weaker and more vulnerable and uh, uh, because of their turn away from God because of, uh, uh, of a godless society that's being created because God is being removed uh, out of all public arenas of life. There's a great push to do that. And, and there are certain countries in the world that do not have our best interest and they're watching all this and they're, they're seeing what's happening. But in the midst of it, God will honor our faith. We have not rejected God. We, we want God. We, 
We've given our lives to him. We've made Jesus our Lord. We've made him our protector, our fortress. We, we believe and, and we say, a thousand may fall at my side and 10,000 at my right hand, but it will not happen to me. And that's, that's one of my declarations every morning. You know, uh, Billy Bram, she's, she's very good on uh, the authority of the believer. And uh, I heard her talking about using our authority and, and drawing a bloodline of Jesus around us and our families. And, and she said, call, call each family member by name. Call them by name and say, Satan, you don't touch them. You don't touch us. Draw a bloodline of the blood of Jesus around your home, your possessions, your lands, your vehicles, your jobs, your hobbies, and say, Satan, you don't touch them and you don't touch us. And this is, this is another aspect of our part in receiving God's divine protection. We, when we say these things, uh, we're giving God something to work with. He's working with our words, and we're giving him a legal right to protect us. And we're giving our angels a legal right to protect us. You know, the, the, the Bible says the angels hearken to the voice of God's word. Well, when we, when we say what God says and we speak God's word and we declare that a that no harm will befall us and that, uh, you know, a thousand may fall at our side and 10,000 at our right hand, but it will not come near us. Uh, we activate the angels to go to work for us and we keep them on the job. Uh, so that's why it's important that, that, our, that we speak, we're speaking right words. We're not speaking anything negative that would cause the angels to just have to stop and just stand by and, and take them off duty. We, we don't want our angels off duty. We want them on duty. And so that's, that's why it's important that we, uh, we speak and declare uh, and say God is he's my defender. He's my protector. He's my shield. He's my fortress. He's my defender. He's my God and him I trust. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. We, we don't want God out. We want him in every part of our life. Amen. Hallelujah. And we're going to say he's my refuge. He's my protector. He's my God in him. I trust. And uh, we're not going to turn away from him. We're not going to reject him. We're not going to take him for granted. Amen. And we're going to cling to him. Amen.